0: Good morning, if you're new here, my name is Dan, I'm one of the pastors here, and we're in the middle of a series right now in the book of Revelation, which is the last book in the Bible, so I'd invite you to go ahead and turn there to book of Revelation, chapters 8 and 9 is where we'll be today, if you're using the Bible that's in the the chairs, uh, in front of you is page 1094, otherwise it's just right toward... The back. Revelation is an apocalyptic prophecy that was originally written to seven churches in Asia, Asia Minor. And in apocalyptic genre, we're expecting visions, imagery, symbolism, and and what we have today in chapters eight and nine is some terrifying imagery: hail and fire mixed with blood cast down to the earth. There's this. Large burning mountain that's thrown into the sea, this star falls down into the rivers and springs and turns them bitter and poisonous. The sun, moon, and stars are darkened and then this angel opens up this pit or abyss and out of that out of the abyss come these locust-like creatures that are described, but it says that they have faces like humans and long flowing hair and teeth like a lion and stinging tails like scorpions. And then there's this image of this vast army that's, that's coming led by angels and uh, they're riding on these horses that have lion-like heads and snake-like tails again. And so the imagery here that John is describing for us is meant to evoke a response. But I wanna to argue today that it's, it's not only meant to inspire fear, but also confidence and hope and worship as we see God's mercy. So in, in this passage, we see God's just judgments and his saving mercy. So that'll be the theme of this sermon today. God's just judgments and his saving mercy should move us to repent and turn to him in worshipful Gratitude, His just judgments and His saving mercy move us to repent, to turn away from everything else, turn to Him in worshipful gratitude. But this is a tricky passage, and I think it will help us to get just a little bit of review of where we've been so far leading up to these trumpet judgments that we're going to read about. Revelation 1 through 3 opens by giving us this vision of Jesus, the Son of Man, in all um, splendor and glory, and he tells John to write these letters to seven churches, and that this introduces us to a little bit of the crisis that's going on in these churches, showing us that, that Jesus is, is warning them and strengthening them and fortifying them, saying, don't don't give in. Don't give up. Don't give in to false teaching or the, the moral corruption and temptations of this world. Don't, don't give up when trials and, and persecution comes. So this crisis is introduced, but then chapters four and five give us this scene of God in his throne room showing that he is sovereign. He's he's not worried about this crisis. He's not worried about what the church is going through uh, as if it's taking him by surprise or he doesn't know how to handle it. No, this shows us God is sovereign over all things, that he, he will finally defeat evil and bring about the new creation. Um, And so it gives this picture of God holding a scroll. And this scroll symbolizes his good plan of how he's going to do just that, how he's going to conquer all evil and and bring us toward this new heavens and this new earth. But there's a a moment of, of fear. There's this moment of uncertainty because it looks like no one can open this scroll because it's all sealed up. It has seven seals on it. Um, And so this scroll is locked and it says no one can open it, but then worship erupts in heaven as this lamb, this slaughtered lamb, the lion of the tribe of Judah. Jesus is proven to be worthy, that he is able to break those seals and unfold this scroll of God's good plan of how he's going to bring salvation through judgment into this world. And so the last week, David preached on Revelation 6 and 7, the, the seven seals, um, describing about how these are these um, trials and difficulties, sufferings that this world is experiencing in between Christ's first coming and Christ's second coming, and showing us that as believers, we do not have to fear because God will cause us to persevere. He will protect us. He will help us to endure all of these Difficulties. But in Revelation, there are three cycles of these judgments. This is what starts to get tricky as we go through, but I think it'll help us just to get this in our minds. There's seven seal judgments, and then seven trumpet judgments, and then seven bull judgments. And what's on the screen now is how every one of them ends. And they all end with the same similar language. There's this storm. Imagery of peals of thunder, rumblings, flashes of lightning, and an earthquake. Flashes of lightning, rumblings, peals of thunder, an earthquake, and severe hailstorm. Flashes of lightning, rumbling, peals of thunder, and a severe earthquake. And it seems like John's pointing all of these these judgments, all these cycles, are ending with the final judgment that comes at the second coming. And so not for us to understand these as just strict chronological order, that the the trumpet judgments that we look at today, John's actually circling back to tell this story again from a different perspective, um, how God is blasting these warning trumpets, these warning judgments. So I think this is a good way to think of these three cycles. The seven seals, Jesus is showing how he is worthy, let's go to the next slide, how he's worthy to break the seals, and begin unfolding God's plan. That's what that imagery uh, shows us. Trumpet, I played trumpet growing up. Trumpet's loud and um, blaring and blasting. And uh, so these trumpets are these warning blasts that there is a future and greater judgment coming. But these, these trumpets are restrained. We'll see that as we go through. And then the bulls, though, Uh, seem to point forward to this final judgment that's coming as God pours out his wrath on evil to bring final judgment and salvation. And just the way that the the trumpets and the bulls relate, the trumpets are gonna use third language a lot, and the bulls sound really final and, and full, so pointing toward the future. One more thing, though, before we jump in, you might have noticed last week that David didn't preach on the seventh seal. Um, He preached through six uh, because the seventh seal actually comes after an interlude. Uh, So it's going to come in chapter eight that we'll be looking at today. So John does this in this book of Revelation twice, the six seals, and then there's a brief interlude where he describes how God is protecting and causing his church to persevere And then he's going to give this seventh seal. In the trumpets, he does the same thing, six trumpets. And then there's this break for two chapters while he describes how God is protecting and preserving his witness through the church. And so that's why now we come to this seventh seal at the beginning of chapter eight. But before I read it, let's just remember this promise, this promise blessing that comes as we read, listen, and apply this book John tells us, blessed is the one who reads aloud the words of this prophecy. Blessed are those who hear the words of this prophecy and keep what is written in it because the time is near. So let's start by reading Revelation 8, verses 1 through 5. When he opened the seventh seal, there was silence in heaven for about half an hour. Then I saw the seven angels who stand in the presence of God. Seven trumpets were given to them. Another angel with a golden incense burner came and stood at the altar. He was given a large amount of incense to offer with the prayers of all the saints on the golden altar in front of the throne. The smoke of the incense with the prayers of the saints went up in the presence of God from the angel's hand. The angel took the incense burner filled it with fire from the altar, and hurled it to the earth. And there were peals of thunder, rumblings, flashes of lightning, and an earthquake. That throne room vision of God back in Revelation 4 says, day and night they did not stop shouting, holy, holy, holy. Holy is the Lord God Almighty. And it's this very loud scene in heaven as it's filled with worship. But now as Jesus breaks open the seventh seal, there's silence. The thought of that final judgment coming brings a reverent, sober, somber silence of anticipation What follows it are the prayers of the saints rising up to God. Back in the fifth seal, it says, under the altar, the the martyrs were there, those who'd been killed for the sake of Jesus' name, and they're crying out, how long, O Lord? How long until you come and bring your judgment and vindicate us? And the response to them is, wait a little while longer. There are more that are going to follow you into martyrdom. There are more still that are going to be killed for my name's sake, but here... Here, those prayers are answered. Those prayers of how long, those prayers have come quickly, Lord Jesus. God's people all throughout history, the Egyptian uh, slavery, as God's people were enduring that, they were crying out to God. It, it says that back before the plagues, that they, they're groaning and they're crying out to God, how long will you leave us here in, in this oppression, and this slavery? And God answers by sending plagues. God's people are exiled in Babylon. They're crying out, Lord, set us free. Return us to our home. God's people all throughout the Old Testament, they're crying out for a Messiah. Come, save us. Send this promised one, this snake crusher. And then even after Jesus came, as they're under Roman persecution here at this time, they're crying out, how long, O Lord? Christian martyrs throughout history uh, Christian martyrs even today uh, and who are being persecuted and tortured in North Korea and Afghanistan and China and other places in the Middle East and in Africa. Uh, the, in the history of America, the black slaves were, were known for, for crying out this prayer, let justice roll down like the waters as they're praying for God to bring freedom from their oppression and to bring vindication. Today in Ukraine, as Christians experience war, they cry out, come quickly, Lord Jesus, and bring your peace. And and you've probably prayed this. In, In the darkest times, in the most difficult times, as you experience what feels hopeless, the pain that cuts so deep, whether it's relational, in your family, um, emotional, spiritual, financial, physical, these problems that we experience that seem to just drag on, and you're praying, Thy kingdom come. Come quickly, lord Jesus, and these are these are good and right prayers for god 's people to pray, and they, they are being heard this This passage tells us they 're piling up right now in this incense burner and they 're going to be offered up to God. He is hearing them, and he is going to answer them, He is going to act and And we see right here that at the second coming of Jesus, this final answer of vindication where he conquers evil, where he comes in judgment and brings salvation, this is the answer to all these prayers. So we can cling to that in hope. But the way that John tells us, he he kind of overlaps the seals with the trumpets. And he's telling us, yes, in the future, there is coming a day when these prayers will be fully answered, But I think even now, these trumpet judgments shows us God's answer, partial answers to these prayers, these prayers for him to come and to act. So let's look at the the trumpets then. We'll start reading in verse six. Here's the response to these prayers. It says, then the seven angels who had the seven trumpets prepared to blow them The first angel blew his trumpet and hail and fire mixed with blood were hurled to the earth. So a third of the earth was burned up and a third of the trees were burned up. All the grass was burned up. Second angel blew his trumpet and something like a great mountain ablaze with fire was hurled into the sea. So a third of the sea became blood. A third of the living creatures in the sea died. A third of the ships were destroyed. The third angel blew his trumpet and a great star... "'Blazing like a torch fell from heaven. "'It fell on a third of the rivers and springs of water. "'The name of the star is Wormwood, "'and a third of the waters became Wormwood. "'So many of the people died from the waters "'because they had been made bitter. "'The fourth angel blew his trumpet, "'and a third of the sun was struck, "'a third of the moon and a third of the stars, "'so that a third of them were darkened. "'A third of the day was without light "'and also a third of the night.' So I looked and heard an eagle flying high overhead, crying out in a loud voice, Woe! Woe! Woe to those who live on the earth because of the remaining trumpet blasts that the three angels are about to sound. The fifth angel blew his trumpet. I saw a star that had fallen from heaven to earth. The key for the shaft to the abyss was given to him. He opened the shaft to the abyss, and smoke came up out of the shaft like smoke from a great furnace, so that the sun and the air were darkened by the smoke from the shaft. Then locusts came out of the smoke onto the earth, and power was given to them like the power that scorpions have on the earth. They were told not to harm the grass of the earth or any green plant or any tree, but only those people do not have God's seal on their foreheads. They were not permitted to kill them, but were to torment them for five months. Their torment is like the torment caused by a scorpion when it stings someone. In those days, people will seek death and will not find it. They will long to die, but death will flee from them. The appearance of the locusts was like horses prepared for battle. Something like golden crowns was on their head. Their faces were like human faces. They had hair like women's hair. Teeth were like lion's teeth. They had chests like iron breastplates. The sound of their wings was like the sound of many chariots with horses running into battle. They had tails with stingers like scorpions. So that their tails, they had the power to harm people for five months. And they had as their king the angel of the abyss... His name in Hebrew is Abaddon. And in Greek, he has the name Apollyon. The first woe has passed. There are still two more woes to come after this. The sixth angel blew his trumpet. From the four horns of the golden altar that is before God, I heard a voice say to the sixth angel who had the trumpet, Release the four angels bound at the great river Euphrates. So four angels were prepared for the hour day month and year they were released to kill a third of the human race The number of mounted troops was 200 million I heard their number This is how I saw the horses and the riders in the vision They had breastplates that were fiery red hyacinth blue and sulfur yellow The heads of the horses were like heads of lions and from their mouths came fire smoke and sulfur A third of the human race was killed by these three plagues, by the fire, the smoke, and the sulfur that came from their mouths. For the power of the horses is in their mouths and in their tails, because their tails, which resemble snakes, have heads that inflict injury. Hear this summary, verse 20. The rest... Of the people who were not killed by these plagues did not repent of the works of their hands to stop worshiping demons and idols of gold, silver, bronze, stone, and wood, which cannot see, hear, or walk. They did not repent of their murders, their sorceries, their sexual immorality, or their thefts. I want you to turn over to chapter 11, verse 15. I'll just briefly read the seventh trumpet. the seventh angel blew his trumpet and there were loud voices in heaven saying, the kingdom of the world has become the kingdom of our Lord and his Christ and he will reign forever and ever. In verse 19, it says, there were flashes of lightning, rumblings, peals of thunder, an earthquake and severe hail. This is the word of our Lord. These are intense images. If you were John and seeing this, this, this imagery, the, what, what, he's, what he's seeing here, it's, it's not like this um, video of what he's going to see happen in the future. He's getting this apocalyptic vision that's that's describing all of these things. That's telling these realities. That's pulling a lot of the Old Testament imagery, and he's showing John. John's showing us then how God is at work in His just judgments and His saving mercy. This should move us to repent, turn to Him in worshipful gratitude. So. We're going to look through two main sections, two main ways of seeing this. His just judgments. Then we'll come back and look through it again for his saving mercy. So his judgments first. God will conquer evil. He will bring about new creation through his judgments. Look at verse 20. This helps us get get framework here, the way that John describes their response to these. He says the rest of the people who were not killed by these plagues did not repent of the works of their hands to stop worshiping demons and idols. They did not repent of their sins. So the appropriate response to these trumpet blasts, these judgments, would be repentance. In the Exodus story, it says that these plagues that were sent uh, on God's people we were sent to show the folly of their gods, to show that Yahweh is the one true and living God, to, to turn away from following the sun god and these other gods of nature and the firstborn and, and all these things, to turn away from all of that and to put their trust in Yahweh, that he is the true God. He's, he's greater than all these idols. And in that Exodus story, it says they did not repent. Pharaoh hardened his heart. And here as well, it says, John's telling us, these are plagues. So he's pulling that imagery from the Exodus story as God's people had been enslaved in Egypt for hundreds of years and they're crying out to God, God, vindicate us, set us free, free us from this oppression and save us. And so he sends these plagues to bring their salvation. And so that helps us understand what's going on here the way that John is telling us this vision. So let's look at... Trumpets one through four, seeing God's judgments. One thing you'll notice right away that's helpful in these first four is that th- these judgments are coming on the natural world, the created world, the land, the seas, the rivers and springs, and then the skies, the sun, moon, and stars. And so it's telling this story of decreation, of, of descent into chaos as God's judgment comes, this curse on the world. But then the way that he tells it, he's pulling these Old Testament images into our mind. So the first trumpet where it says hail and fire come down, it's it's this seventh plague in the Exodus story as hail and lightning come down. But John says it's mixed with blood. I think that's telling us that this is just, God's judgments are just in vindicating the blood of the martyrs. That's what these judgments are in response to. Trumpets two and three, Uh, point to that first Exodus plague when the Nile River was turned into blood and John is talking about how the seas and and the rivers and springs here are corrupted. He's also pulling in some imagery from Jeremiah because the way that that sea is destroyed, he says this large fiery mountain is thrown into it and it turns to blood and a third of all these things are destroyed. In Jeremiah, he calls Babylon, this great burning mountain that sinks into the sea. If you want to look that up, it's Jeremiah 51. And so John's taking that imagery to show us as well, the kingdoms of this world will be defeated that are, that are rebelling against God. They're going to be defeated. And in this, in this story, that's what causes... In this vision, that's what causes the seas to be corrupted. And then this wormwood, uh, poisonous, bitter water, that also comes from Jeremiah. Jeremiah 9, God describes the suffering and judgment of these people as as drinking this bitter wormwood water. And here John is describing that as a judgment on the seas as well. And then finishing this, this ninth Exodus Uh, plague was darkness and so he's he's finishing out this story of decreation by showing a third of the sun a third of the moon a third of the stars and so what John is doing is in in these images he's showing how God's judgments are here under this world that's under his curse but these are these are restrained we'll see how in a couple minutes but look at look at trumpet five trumpet five describes this torment. These are set apart by these woes that are coming, and these are no longer directed at the creation, but at those who dwell on the earth. Specifically, those who dwell on the earth who are not sealed by God, those who are living in rebellion against our God. And so it describes here these locust creatures that come out of the abyss Again, John's pulling this imagery from the Exodus story. It's the eighth plague, the, the, the locusts that come. Joel does the same thing. The prophet Joel, he actually describes this plague of locusts in Joel that have teeth like lions, that have the appearance of horses, and that sound like rushing chariots. So John, again, is pulling this Old Testament language, but here it seems like he's using it to describe a demonic kind of Torment. We see this because of the way those locusts are described. They're not described as eating plants or normal things locusts would eat. They don't don't look the same as locusts. They're led by an angel who's Apollyon and Abaddon, which means destroyer, and so likely Satan himself. The way that it describes how people here want to die but can't. The the language of scorpions in the Bible is, is used in other places to describe a demonic oppression, and so it seems like... John's using this image to show the kind of demonic oppression and torment that people experience here in this world. Life apart from God is devastatingly meaningless, hopeless, lonely. Christians experience anxiety and depression and mental illness, and some of you are battling through those things right now. But imagine going through that with no foundation for hope, no promise of anything getting better, no Holy Spirit inside you causing you to cling to hope even as you battle. No, just hopelessness, emptiness. The, the, the kind of deception and oppression from demonic forces that people experience in this world does cause many to long for death, but to be afraid to take that step. It's what John's describing here, that kind of agony, that kind of torment. But he, he does give us a glimpse, though. This evil is not unrestrained. It does not have free reign. He says here that these locusts are only allowed to torment those who do not have God's seal on their forehead, so it's limited in who they can torment. It talks about five months, a couple different times, showing that this is a finite time. This is not eternal torment, and they're not allowed to kill. And so John is highlighting in this plague some of the the ways that this judgment is restrained. It's not yet final. And then the sixth trumpet, he, he combines... Two different images. One is the, this first century fear of their enemies to the north. That's why this, this Euphrates language likely comes from. Going to dry up the Euphrates so that the, this army can come from the north. But he's mixing that with this 10th Exodus plague where the angel of death comes and kills all the firstborn. And so again, this imagery here of God's judgment in a very terrifying image. These horses that they're riding, is it not normal horses? So, again, so if, if this is a human army, it's John's highlighting the fact that behind them is, is spiritual evil forces. But maybe this again is some sort of demonic army. Even the number itself that it's used, the CSB says 200 million, but the, the language there is just this language of myriads of myriads. Two myriads of myriads, I think is what it says, uh, showing just this infinitely great and fearful army that is coming. The horses are described as breathing out fire and brimstone, and so pointing back to uh, the Sodom and Gomorrah story, that there is imagery here of God's judgment, but it's restrained again. We're gonna see that in just a minute. We think of God's mercy. But this imagery, and then the seventh trumpet, gives us that final imagery of rumblings, lightning and thunder, hail, earthquake, as these final judgments come. We need to feel this. It's, it is difficult. It's uncomfortable. It's uncomfortable to think about and talk about judgments. This does, this does really help us understand the, the depth of our sin, and it points to the greatness of our God's mercy. So let's focus on that now. How in a passage like this do we see God's mercy? I want to point us to two ways. First, when we see the severity of the wrath of God, we get a deeper sense of how evil our sin is and what Christ has suffered in our place. Romans 8 tells us, many places in in Scripture tell us, Romans 8 says, There is therefore now no condemnation left for those who are in Christ Jesus. There is no wrath of God left, not a drop of it, left for those who are in Christ. He has sheltered us from this. So as we, as we read about these judgments, we're reminded how deep our sin is, how deserving we are of God in his conquering of evil. But yet how in his grace and his mercy he has rescued us from all that, that Jesus endured that in our place. Romans 7 describes how God has sealed those who are in Christ. He does that before sending final judgment to make sure to protect his people. He tells those demonic locust beasts they're not allowed to harm those who are sealed by God. And so we praise God for his mercy no wrath remains for us to face we're sheltered by his saving grace and when we get a glimpse of god in his wrath it overwhelms us of his mercy second though these trumpet judgments announce a greater judgment that's coming but these are restrained and limited The way that John tells this, it's a third of the earth, it's a third of the sea, it's a third of the rivers, it's a third of the sun, moon, and stars. The locusts are not allowed to kill. Their torment is is short-term. It's a third of the people. These are warning blasts that a greater judgment is coming. When you compare the trumpets and the bulls, it's the same kind of imagery, but this one's restrained. It's a literary device that John is using to show this isn't yet in its fullness. This is announcing something. It's warning of something. The the trumpets in the Old Testament Jericho story, they go and they they blow these trumpets six days in a row. They're announcing uh, there is time. There's time to to surrender. There's time to flee. But on the seventh day, as they blew their trumpets seven times, destruction comes. And so these trumpets are a warning. There is still time to repent. There is still time to run to God and his mercy and his grace and to find salvation. There's one other way that I want us to see God's mercy, and it's by drawing into our minds more of this Exodus story that John's drawing from. We already talked about how in Exodus... They cry out for God to save them. It's the cries of the people. Um, They're asking for God to to come and to, to send them, and God hears them and responds by sending plagues. Same thing in Revelation. They're crying out for God to vindicate them, to bring salvation through judgment, and he sends these plagues. The plagues then, in the Exodus story, God protects his people. These plagues come on on the Egyptians, but the people of God in Goshen are protected. Uh, It's almost like God is saying to those plagues, do not harm those who have my seal on their forehead. The plagues in in the Exodus story target the false gods. It says that in Exodus 12.12. It's it's showing the futility of the gods of this world. And in the Revelation story, it's the same thing, that they did not repent from worshiping God demons and false idols. In the Exodus story, the hardness of the heart is the response to these plagues. And in the Revelation story, it's the same thing. One more image, Uh, there's this storm language that we already talked about that shows all of these final judgments. Well, in the Exodus story, we see some of this same storm language in Exodus 19, 16 through 20. Put this on the screen, please. It says, There was thunder and lightning with a thick cloud over the mountain and a very loud trumpet blast. Everyone in the camp trembled. Mount Sinai was covered with smoke because the Lord descended on it in fire. The whole mountain trembled violently, and the sound of the trumpet grew louder and louder. We see this imagery of storm language, of God's presence uh, there as well. And I, I bring all that to our minds, mainly to show this. John's doing this on purpose, and it shines this bright light on one more Exodus connection, and it's the Passover lamb. There's this story in Exodus as They reached that final plague where the angel of death was going to come and kill the firstborns. And God tells his people, sacrifice a lamb, paint the blood on the doorframe, and I will pass over you. You will receive salvation through someone suffering in your place, something suffering in your place. Jesus later applied that to himself said, I am your Passover lamb and you will will receive salvation through me enduring judgment. In Revelation 5, we see this language used where it says, then I saw a lamb looking as if it had been slain, standing at the center of the throne encircled by the four living creatures. They sang a new song saying, you are worthy to take the scroll, to open its seals. Why? Because you were slain and with Your blood you purchased for God. Persons from every tribe and language and people and nations. In the story of the Passover lamb, which Revelation references the lamb 34 times. This is a huge theme in Revelation. This is why we as God's people can look at a passage like this in God's judgments and see mercy. Because we don't endure these. We don't, there's not a drop of God's wrath that remains for those who are in Christ. Jesus took it all. He suffered in our place. He came and lived in your place, died for all of your sins, and he took all of God's wrath on himself so that he can give us forgiveness. And so that's why we have confidence, we have hope that no matter what we endure in this life, Even through difficulty, even through persecution, even if we give our lives up for our God, we have great hope that he is accomplishing, bringing us into this final exodus. Jesus took that language and he said, this is a new exodus where I'm now the Passover land, I'm gonna rescue you from the domain of darkness and bring you into the kingdom of the Son." And Revelation tells the end of that story as he We were banished from the garden outside of God's presence and now we're brought back into this new heavens and new earth in final reward and final hope. It's because of what Jesus did for us. So even when we see here God's judgments, they're shining a light on God's saving mercy. How do we respond to this? God's Just judgments and his saving mercy should move us to repent turn to him in worshipful gratitude difficulties trials calamities destruction all these things that we live through now they are warning blasts They're, they're reminders for us that this world is not yet how it's supposed to be. Evil will fully and finally be defeated. God will bring salvation through judgment. And so he's calling us as his people, don't live for the gods of this world. Don't go there. It will not ultimately satisfy you. Don't, don't throw yourself all at just getting rich. Don't let that be your God. Don't, don't throw yourself to the God of popularity and prestige. Don't throw yourself to the the pleasures and the entertainment of this world. No, these gods will not satisfy. They will not bring ultimate hope and joy and safety. Only the true God can do that. So we turn away from all those things. And church, we respond with worship at our great Savior, Jesus Christ.